welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 179, Remembrance. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. When I was eight years old, my family had traveled from Missouri to Utah for a vacation, and we had decided that I would get baptized in Utah, or I guess probably I wasn't participating in that decision. I'm sure my parents decided that we would have me get baptized in Utah since most of my extended family was able to be there because they are from Utah or kind of roundabout there. And I remember the night before being at my Uncle Dave and Aunt Val's house and seeing some cookies. And I also knew that I was going to get baptized tomorrow and that all my sins would be washed away. Now, I'm sure you can imagine where this is going. So in excellent eight-year-old fashion, I stole some cookies, much more than I would normally be allowed to have because tomorrow I was going to be clean and perfect and in my mind, never to sin again. Now, of course, that's not how it works. Spoiler alert, I did sin again. I sinned yesterday and I sinned today and all of the days between my baptism and today. These last few days, actually, I've been mulling over a situation that I got into with somebody in my head. And I'm sure this has happened to you, but I wasn't necessarily trying to sin. I don't think a lot of times we're trying to sin, but I've been analyzing the situation and trying to decide where my shortcomings were in the situations where I failed to be as the savior would have me be. And Interestingly enough, during this situation, I was trying to be Christ-like and I was trying to do the things that he would have me do. But even with me thinking about him the whole time and trying to do my best, I think I still fell short, which is why it's been kind of running in my mind. And the word that keeps coming to my mind as I'm doing this, because I try really hard not to beat myself up too much because I know I'm trying, and I know the Savior knows I'm trying, but I also know that I fall short. So the the phrase that comes to mind is divine discontent, which is something that Neil A. Maxwell coined. In Sister Craig's talk in October of 2018, which was entitled Divine Discontent, she says divine discontent comes when we compare what we are to what we have the power to become. Each of us, if we are honest, feels a gap between where and who we are and where and who we want to become. We yearn for greater personal capacity. We have these feelings because we are daughters and sons of God, born with the light of Christ, yet living in a fallen world. These feelings are God-given and create an urgency to act. And that's what I've been feeling is an urgency to act or an urgency to, to change, to become better. In this particular situation that I've been mulling over in my mind, I can't necessarily change kind of how things went down, and I don't think it went down terribly, but I've just been analyzing how it wasn't maybe perfect. I have faith that because I was trying imperfectly, that the Savior will somehow make up for what I lacked in that situation. And that's really all I can do is learn from my past experiences and repent and move on. And that is a beautiful cycle that I relive every day, every week of my life. Every week, the most important part of my week is that I get to partake of the sacrament. Something I most certainly did not realize when I was young is the impact and importance of the sacrament. And probably now, when I'm 80, I'll probably say when I was 38, or actually I always forget how old I am. I'm 37 or 38, I don't remember. But when I was 
38, I didn't even fully understand, and I know I don't. But what I've come to realize right now at this point in my journey is that I can be just as clean now every week as I take the sacrament, every day as I repent, as I was on the day I was baptized. Those covenants are always available for me to renew. When I think of baptism, my mind can't help but go to primary songs. I think many of us love this song, When I Am Baptized, which I always call I Like to Look for Rainbows, just because that's the first line in the song. I can't, in my mind, switch over to the actual title of the song. But the second verse says, I know when I am baptized, my wrongs are washed away, and I can be forgiven and improve myself each day. I want my life to be as clean as earth right after rain. I want to be the best I can and live with God again. What an incredible promise. What an incredible opportunity the Savior has given us. Baptism and sacrament are inseparably connected. When we take the sacrament, we renew the covenants we made at baptism. But even knowing the importance and significance of this part of my week, I've definitely experienced many sacrament times when I was not focused, not treating it with the reverence and respect that the ordinance deserves. In fact, I think this past week, I was not entirely focused. My mind kept wandering, and I think that 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 happens to all of us. I think we have all mindlessly taken the sacrament. It's easy to go through the motions of something that you participate in weekly. And when we contrast that with baptism, it's easy to do this big thing that you do once in your lifetime and treat it with great reverence and great respect, which it deserves, but so does the sacrament. Brad Wilcox said, But there is another way of looking at taking the Lord's name in vain. When we partake of the sacrament, we renew a covenant to take Christ's name upon us. When we do so out of habit rather than a sincere choice, are we taking his name in vain? The Hebrew word that was translated in our scriptures as vain means meaningless and empty. Perhaps the commandment in Exodus 20 verse 7 should read, Thou shalt not take upon thyself the name of God with empty and meaningless intent. When we give up the hope Christ offers through his atonement, are we taking the Lord's name in vain? Are we rendering his grace, his divine help, as useless, empty, and meaningless in our lives? Elder Delbert L. Stapley said, By partaking of the sacrament, we renew all covenants entered into with the Lord and pledge ourselves to take upon us the name of his Son to always remember him and keep his commandments. When the Lord instituted this ordinance on the earth, it was during a very somber time of his life. He had returned to Jerusalem. He knew what was about to happen. He loved this band of followers. He knew the pain that they were about to go through. And in all humility, he understood that they needed him, that we all need him, that in order to fulfill our potential, we need repentance and renewal, a chance to be clean and start fresh as many times as we need to. And because of all of that, he bravely did what was needed. By instituting the ordinance of the sacrament, he gave us the incredible gift of a physical ordinance to help us remember him, remember his sacrifice, because he knew that that remembrance and renewal is central to our ability to accomplish what we need to on the earth. Spencer W. Kimball said, when you look in the dictionary for the most important word, do you know what it is? It could be remember, because all of you have made covenants to know what to do, and you know how to do it. Our greatest need is to remember. That is why everyone goes to sacrament meeting every Sabbath day. 
I want to now read you a combination of Matthew 26 and John 13. The reason I want to read them kind of melded together is because both accounts give us details that the other doesn't. And these final hours of the Savior's ministry before he is taken captive by the Romans are important for us to remember. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 17. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when even was come, he sat down with the twelve. Now moving over to John chapter 13. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. And after that he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part of me. Now just as a quick aside, the washing of feet was reserved for servants who were the very lowest on the totem pole. They wore sandals in that day, and their feet got covered with all kinds of things that I'm sure you can imagine. So, of course, Simon, who held his, his Lord in highest esteem, felt that this just felt wrong. But Jesus just said to him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So he's now totally embracing the gift that the Lord has given him. Isn't it the same with the atonement? Do we deserve? Have we earned the Lord's atonement? No, it was a gift. He, greater than us all, came and paid for our sins, selfishly committed. If we all could experience the atonement on a personal level, seeing the, the Savior suffer, might we also say, Lord, no, I am not worthy of this. But the Lord would say to you, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So we need to be like Peter and graciously accept the gift that we don't deserve and say, not just my feet only, but my hands and my head. Are we eager to accept his gift? The Lord reminds Simon Peter here, and he reminds us that all we need is the cleansing service that he has provided for us. We don't need more. It was perfectly and precisely adequate for exactly what we need to have him pay for our sins and our suffering and our sorrows. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. 
I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of who he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is, to whom I shall give a sop, which means a bite, when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus said unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, meaning like their purse with money, that Jesus hath said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. Now so I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Continuing in Matthew 26, starting in verse 30. And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be gathered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. 
And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priests, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto them, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off under the high priest's palace, and went in, and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet they found none. At the last came two false witnesses, and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose, and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. Another smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, this week we don't finish the entire story of all of the suffering that Christ did for you and for me. But I hope that at this moment, you've taken here to listen to this part of the account, that it has stirred within you a feeling of love and reverence and respect for the Lord, who voluntarily suffered, bled, and died for you. Like I said, I've been thinking about primary songs today as I've been talking about this and I was reminded of one that I feel like a lot of people don't know but it's one of my favorites it has a really pretty melody but of course the most special part are the words it says it shouldn't be hard to sit very still and think about Jesus's cross on the hill 
and all that he suffered and did for me, it shouldn't be hard to sit quietly. It shouldn't be hard, even though I am small, to think about Jesus not hard at all. I think of the miles he walked in the dust, and children he helped to love and to trust. It shouldn't be hard to sit tall in my seat and listen politely to quiet my feet. It shouldn't be hard, even though I am small, to think about Jesus not hard at all. For us to think about the Savior during the sacrament, it's not really a tall order. And of course, I know there are moments where we have little kids or good reasons why we're struggling to focus. And the Lord knows all of those things. But ultimately, He also knows if we are trying to approach the sacrament in a way that reflects how sacred and special that time of the week is. If we really understand the magnitude of the Savior's sacrifice for us, then it won't be hard at all to think about Jesus. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.